has always changed as the only constant in this business. It's really tough to get to this point. It's a grind just to get to this point. And that makes the finality of it all kind of hit you like a ton of bricks. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I know the big picture overall mood of this week is is terrible. Packers came up short of the Super Bowl again. Fourth NFC Championship game in seven years. We've, we've done this. We've talked about all this. The overall mood this week stinks. Because Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were kept out of the Super Bowl. And that sucks. And I hate that and I'm sad about it. But I will say, the specific mood of today and the specific energy of today, uh, it's pretty good. I'm having a pretty awesome day. And we have some wins to talk about. The Badgers beat Maryland last night, 61-55. Got a little hairy, but got it done. Excited about that. The Bucks won in Toronto last night. Well, Toronto's playing in Tampa Bay this season, so I guess they won in they won in Florida. 115-108. The Bucks won last night. That's a positive. We can talk about that. And even the discussion that I have planned about the Packers today. I'd say it's positive. I'd say it's fun. Like, I'm looking at my show notes and the things we're going to hit and the bullet points we're going to talk about. It's going to be fun today. So for all the complaining that we've done and all the whining and the moaning, and yeah, it is sad that the Packers lost. But I will say today, for the next two hours, we're going to have fun. I I will force it to to be that way. We're going to have fun, all right, whether you like it or not. So just accept it. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. And I am truly having a good day. And I'm excited for tonight's show. Going to talk a lot of Packers. Talk a little Badgers. A little bucks, and we are going to have one of our uh, one of our heavy hitters. I would say the cleanup hitter of our Wisco Sports Show guest lineup. Uh, that's Perry Goldstein from Cheesehead TV and from Packer Report and from Game on Wisconsin. We're going to talk to her at four thirty, and I actually did the interview earlier today. Uh, we recorded it about two thirty this afternoon, and we went a little long. the The whole conversation went about seventeen minutes, and typically I like to keep it like eleven to fourteen. But we went a little long. It'll happen when you're talking to a great guest and you're you're kind of recapping and, and putting to bed a Packers season. So we went a little long. And this afternoon I was trying to decide like how I could cut it down, how I could make it shorter. And I'm like, eh, what else do we got to talk about? It's fine. We'll talk for 17 minutes. So Perry Goldstein and I, you'll hear that conversation coming up at 4.30. I was thinking maybe we would get some news on Mike Pettin today. That has not been the case. But I had a backup plan because I'm a professional. So... We're going to talk about a story and an interview that I found this morning on PackersNews.com that made my day. I think this is awesome. Uh, The folks at PackersNews.com, specifically Rich Ryman, who I know has been a guest on the morning show here in lacrosse with Dave Carney, he interviewed a professor of psychology from St. Norbert's to talk about, like, the emotional side of this loss, the psychological side. It's fascinating. So I'm going to share with you some of her words. Coming up at 420, like I said, Perry at 430. We'll also talk about the Bucks and the Badgers in the 5 o'clock hour. So a lot to get to today. And it's going to be fun, energetic. And we're not going to dwell on the negative and dwell on the sadness of the Packers being eliminated. Your thoughts, your texts are always welcome. 608-796-2558 on the talk and text line. And you can also always tweet at me, at Wisco Grant. And that's not just during the show. I have no life. If I'm not talking on the show from 4 to 6 p.m., I am on Twitter. I'm at home watching basketball games. I was watching League Pass, and I was watching the Badgers and the Bucks last night. I have no life. I have nothing better to do than to interact and, and to tweet on Twitter. So anytime you want to tweet at me, anytime you want to argue or 
debate about sports, hit me up at Wisco Grant on Twitter. Okay, now let's begin. We've spent a lot of time this week analyzing Packers coaches, Matt LaFleur, Mike Patton, and we will no doubt continue to do that. They had a poor game on Sunday. It's weirdly similar to 2014. Like, why can't any Packers coaches, like, handle themselves in big games? It's not like Matt LaFleur had to reinvent the wheel. He just needed to keep doing what he's been doing all season long. Just run the ball. Like, don't get away from what you're good at. And they did. Don't take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. That's not complicated. Well, they did that. Mike Patton, maybe run a prevent defense going into halftime. Maybe. That's not exactly rocket science. Right? Like, like Matt LaFleur and Mike Patton did not need to do rocket surgery to, to win on Sunday. They just got in their own head, and they coached a really, really poor game. Okay? And it's a bummer. And I realized this morning that we hadn't properly uh, addressed, appreciated, discussed. We haven't talked about Sean Meninga, the special teams coordinator, who was let go yesterday. I thought with all the discussion we've had about Lafleur and Petten and we're getting angry and we're losing our mind, why don't we have a little fun? And let's properly appreciate one Sean Meninga, who, God love him, he came in and he replaced Ron Zook and didn't set the bar very high. Ron Zook's special teams were miserable as well. Sean Meninga cut down on penalties last year, but then the wheels really fell off the bus this season, especially in the second half of the season. And I thought we could talk about that and appreciate that. Sean Meninga, what a two-year run for this guy. A guy whose name no one really knew how to pronounce. I was saying Menenga up until yesterday when our friend and frequent contributor to the show, Zach Heilprin, in his Sports Zone update, uh, properly pronounced his name, Sean Menenga. So I will thank you, Zach. I appreciate your guidance and your wisdom. He, I always tell him when he's on the show, somewhat sarcastically, but also, to, you know, I like joking around with Zach. He's somewhat of a mentor to me. His professionalism is something I aspire to. So Sean Menenga, thank you, Zach. What a two-year run for this guy. What a two-year run for Sean. Our guy, uh, Ryan Wood, our friend uh, from the Green Bay Press-Gazette and PackersNews.com, put the Packers special teams into perspective yesterday on Twitter. And if you're not on Twitter, I don't mean to always like cite tweets. But that's a lot of where I get my information from reporters and insiders. So not to bang you over the head with Twitter, but this is what Ryan Wood tweeted yesterday. And it puts the Packers special teams into perspective very well. Here's the tweet. Packers special teams in 2020. 31st in kick return, 30th in punt return, 30th in net punting, tied for 25th in touchback percentage, 29th in Rick Goslin's rankings, two punts returned for touchdowns, four extra points missed. That's a career high for Mason Crosby. That's the long and short of it. All right. Basically last or close to last in every single category, which is a bummer because Sean Menega has one of the best kickers in pro football and Mason Crosby. And to not be able to fully, fully maximize him, as I said, they missed four extra points this year, long snapping issues, holding issues, not getting blocked up front. Like, it's it's tough to have a poor special teams unit and have a kicker as good as Mason Crosby. That's difficult to do. And that's a big reason why Sean Menega uh, was let go yesterday. The, the writing was certainly on the wall, as Ryan Wood stated on Twitter and in some of his work for the Press Gazette yesterday. Here's the thing about special teams. You don't need to be the best. We literally don't know the difference. Like, I'd like to think that I'm a pretty smart football fan. There's certainly lots of people who study the game more closely and know a lot more about football than I do. Or people who've played football that can notice things that I can't. But I'd like to think that I'm a a somewhat reasonably educated man when it comes to the sport of football in the NFL. I don't know the difference between the 10th best special teams and the 20th best special teams in the league. Watching the games, I could not tell you. I do not care until it's my team. 
I, I really don't know the difference. I, I don't. We're easy to fool as fans. When it comes to special teams, just just rank 20th or better, and we won't notice. We're not smart enough to notice. We don't understand the blocking schemes of an extra point and the intricacies of a punt coverage, uh, whether you're running the, uh, rushing the punter or you're dropping back into coverage. Like, we don't understand these things. We play Madden. Right? So it's run or pass, right? Five wide receivers or two running backs, two tight ends. That's something we can wrap our mind around. We can wrap our mind a little bit around on defense as well. Blitzes versus man coverage, zone coverage, prevent defense versus aggressive defense. Right? We can we can pick out on those things. I, I Special teams, nah, I, I can't. Just be better than 20th. Be a little bit better than average or worse than average. I don't care. You'd be a little bit worse than average. We can't tell the difference because no one is sitting at home saying to their TV, wow, just look at, no lane integrity on that kickoff coverage. You got to have lane integrity. No one's saying that, right? Like dads everywhere and casual football fans everywhere drinking beer, watching the game are saying things like, hey, get a hat on him, right? Or that's a hold or run, run the ball, like that stuff. No one's mentioning lane integrity on kick coverage or kick return. No one's talking about long snapper fundamentals while watching the game with their friends. It's like, oh, God, look at Hunter Bradley. Just terrible, terrible technique, long snapping. No one no one can notice. So as a special teams coordinator, you really got it made in the shade unless your unit stinks, right? If a defense is 17th in the league, everyone notices. Like, hey, we got to get that defense better or you got to be better. If special teams are 17th, no one cares. It's It's quite a slick gig, actually. It's a pretty good spot to be in as a coordinator. It's a great spot to be in. I was rewatching some old Sean Menninga press conferences last night. Don't ask why. I just, I just was. And I found some absolute gems. This man, I, I got to start watching the special teams press conferences because the, the, this is some entertainment that I missed out on all year long. All year long. These are gems. You're going to love this. So a couple of weeks ago, Sean Menninga was asked about the Packers special teams rankings. Rick Gosselin does these every year, and he's kind of the standard for ranking special teams. Takes everything into account, and they're they're universally accepted. No one thinks of them as controversial. The Packers ranked 29th. And one of the Packers beat reporters asked Sean Menninga about these rankings, and here's his answer. I haven't seen those, to be honest with you, Rob. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing my time on the Rams right now, and you know we'll look at that after, after the season's over. I mean, there's some other things. I mean, um, I know... You know, that, that that's still kind of probably the standard because it's been in for so long and stuff. And they take everything into account as far as where you rank at, you know, 1 through 32 in all the different categories. Um, it's probably as straightforward as it gets. But, you know, there's a couple others out there. I know Football Outsiders, some others do, do some things as far as, you know, they're, they're taking into effect, um, you know, wind and where you, where you play at and all those things. If you're a dome team, you're going to – you might have a great, uh, you know, punt average because you're not facing the wind you're only you're going to play eight to ten games indoors and never have to deal with wind or factors like we've had to play with um you know throughout the season and stuff so that could be skewed some ways um again but right now i'm concentrating on the rams i did not just hear that did sean menega the packers special teams coordinator cite wind as a as a deciding factor in special teams rankings that's that's incredible now if you rank 11th Okay, then you make an argument. Well, actually, we ranked 11th, but, you know, I think we were better than that. You know, we play outside, though, and then, you know, that affects our rankings. That affects our numbers. Okay, fair. That's very fair. You rank 29th. There are only two teams worse than you in the entire NFL in overall special teams rankings. I do not 
I do not want to hear about the wind. Aaron Rodgers throws interceptions in Tampa. I don't want to hear about the wind. And I think the wind much more directly impacts accuracy of a quarterback on a down-in, down-out basis than than punts. Than, than punts. J.K. Scott, by the way, I had to look it up while he was talking. How many how many times did he punt this year? I've never had to look up such things. J.K. Scott in 2020, age 25, uh, number six, played 16 games. He had 16 kickoffs. Where's the punt numbers? Punted 46 times this year compared to 77 times last year. The Packers barely punted this year. Don't tell me about wind impacting the... Don't tell me about wind. Do not tell me about wind. They also played against the AFC South. So they had a couple of games this year, uh, for example, in the Superdome. They played in Tampa, which maybe it was a little windy, but let's not act like they're playing in the cold and the snow. Played a game at U.S. Bank, which is inside. Played a game at Detroit, which is inside. Like, I do... I, I respect the man for citing wind as an excuse, but you got to... You got to find a better excuse than wind, Sean. Sean Meninga. I just thought that was hilarious. However, that interaction was not the best soundbite I found. This is an all-timer. The, the, I, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this in an NFL press conference before. Now, they didn't get angry and yell at each other, but this is, this is amazing. This is the stuff I live for. Pete Doherty, the usually soft-spoken Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press Gazette, off the top rope comes in with a flying elbow and just nails Sean Menenga in the side of the head. Listen to this exchange. Hey, Sean, I've got a rules question for you. Hmm. On an onside, I don't know if uh, you know this, on an onside kick, if a guy's foot is out of bounds and he touches the ball, the ball is the ball still live and does it matter whether he's on the kicking team or the receiving team? Oh, I'd have to look at that myself. Um, <laughs> as far as... I don't want to answer that wrong. I'd have to go back and look at the rules myself as far as you're, as you're putting me on the spot right here. Right off the top of my head, I'd have to go back and look at it myself and, and reread the rules as far as <laughs> – so I don't I don't want to answer you wrong right there. Why do you put that man in that spot? Pete Doherty off the top rope out of nowhere. And that's amazing. I, I, I stumbled upon that earlier today, and I'm like, I cannot believe we didn't talk about this already. I got to start watching these special teams pressers. You just hit him with a rules question. And Menenga, I, mean, I think he handled that as well as, you know, you could be expected to handle such things. Say, well, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to give you the incorrect answer, which is basically just another way of saying, I don't know. I don't know. Lie, maybe? Say anything? Uh, but here's the thing about special teams, and, and then we can take a break because I don't want to talk about special teams all, all night. Special teams are all about attention to detail. That's why New England was so good at them for the longest time, and Baltimore as well. Smart organizations that comb the rule book and comb the game for the slightest little advantages and the loopholes in the rule book here and there. If my special teams coordinator cannot answer that question, uh, I, I don't know if he should be my special teams coordinator. Now, Mike Patton, maybe. He, he's gotten away with a lack of attention to detail. Special teams is all about attention to detail, the little things, and maybe that's... Doesn't appear to be Sean's thing, at least listening to that press conference. I don't want to paint in broad strokes. I don't want to assume, but special teams is about attention to detail. That's basically as indicative as as you can get against a special teams coordinator, not knowing a, a question about an onside kick. Let's take a break. I found something in the Green Bay Press-Gazette in PackersNews.com earlier today. They talked with a psych- uh, psychologist from St. Norbert about how this loss is impacting Packers fans. This is fascinating. We'll talk about that coming up next. Perry Goldstein at 435. A lot more of the Wisco Sports Show coming up after this. Don't go anywhere.
Frisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills, and I am so glad that you were hanging out. Thanks for being here. We're going to have fun tonight. I know the overall mood of the week is defeat as the Packers lost on Sunday, but the mood for these next two hours, we're going to have a good time talking about a Badgers win, a Bucks win, and talking about the Packers as well. Perry Goldstein, our friend from Cheesehead TV, came on Wisconsin, will join us in a little bit over 10 minutes couple of texts coming in, one specifically from a listener that I only know as a Onalaska fan, texts in and says, hey, why are we not talking about the underrated Onalaska Hilltoppers, or undefeated, I'm sorry, Onalaska Hilltoppers? Oh, because it doesn't involve Johnny Davis. Yeah, see, here's the thing, Onalaska fan. We used to talk a lot of Onalaska and Central basketball on this show, especially when Onalaska was the number one team in the state, as was Central, and they were both going to state, and God, the games were awesome. I love local basketball, but... Uh, those days are unfortunately kind of over. We have listeners in other towns and in other markets now, so we can't be that specific. However, I will put in a good word to our morning show host, Dave, to work in a little central on Alaska talk, and maybe he'll just have to have me on. Because I, I miss breaking down high school basketball games like their NBA games. I thought it was a blast. Talking about Johnny Davis and Terrence Thompson and Terrell Stutley and, and all the great players that have been both at Central and in on Alaska the last couple of years, but... I appreciate you listening. Sorry we can't talk local sports. Um, not not like we used to. Not in the glory days, the last couple of years. It was it was a lot of fun. But no, sticking to the Packers, the Badgers, the Brewers, the Bucks, all of that stuff. And right now we're talking about the Packers. I was hoping for a Mike Pettin announcement today. That's what I had in my notes at 420. I said, hopefully some Mike Pettin news, question mark. And we didn't. We didn't get an announcement one way or another, whether he would be retained as defensive coordinator and given a new contract or simply, you know, letting him go because his contract is up. We didn't have any news today, but I'm a professional. I was playing ahead. I had a backup plan, and you will get a kick out of this. This is cool. I do a lot of reading about the Packers, obviously, through a lot of different uh, outlets and networks. The Athletic has been my go-to, although I don't know if that's going to continue for Packers coverage for reasons we've talked about. I like The Ringer a lot. Of course, some for ESPN, too. Guests that we've had, like Matthew Collar, who does Purple Insider for the Vikings, is excellent, as is Ty Dunn, who just started his own thing, Go Long. I think I said the last couple of weeks, been reading a lot of Eric Eager at Pro Football Focus as well. So there's a lot of go-tos I have. I was perusing PackersNews.com today, and I found something that is just, well, this is fun. Rich Ryman, who I know has been on the morning show here in Lacrosse with Dave, did an interview. It would be a sit-down interview, but this one is over Zoom, with, oh, this is going to be tough, Dr. Michelle Schoenleber, Schoenleber, Shane Lieber. It's tough. It's a very Wisconsin name. Associate Professor of Psychology at St. Norbert College, and she is a professed Packers superfan. And they did a little bit of a a sit-down interview over Zoom about why this loss is probably going to be more difficult than any other Packers loss experienced in the last 20 years in the postseason. I will let uh, Dr. Michelle... Showing lever. I'm so sorry. I don't know how to say her name. I'll let her explain. This is what she had to say. Always an enjoyable diversion for those of us who like to watch it, whether we're Packers fans or fans of any other team. But I think this year, COVID made those distractions, those pleasant distractions, all that more important to us because there are so many things that we can't do. So I think we were going to have a harder time with the end of the season, even had we won the Super Bowl. I think those of us who are always a little sad when the season is over are going to be a little extra sad when this season is over because it was one of the things that helped distract us from all of the many other things 
going on in the world and in our state and in our local communities right now. So football this year for us was a coping mechanism and now it's gone. The music that they put behind this really drives it home. Don't you think? It sounds like an ASPCA commercial. The Packers were a beautiful, beautiful distraction this year and a coping mechanism. Also, millions of animals need your help. Please call the number on your your screen. Same kind of energy, right? I never thought about this. I think the Packers this year were maybe even more important to us than in past years because we really didn't have a whole lot else going on. Like, I, we really bought into this team because they were so good. And it was this unique collection of players with great personality. And Matt LaFleur really hit his stride in year number two. And Aaron Rodgers is having fun again. And, and we all bought in. But I think it's environmental as well, right? This might have been a coping, a coping mechanism for us. Uh, and I was interested to listen to that perspective. She continues uh, about for another 60 seconds here. I just can't get over the music. I think expectations were higher. I think everybody wanted it just a little bit more because of the need for distraction. I think everybody wants it a little bit more because we do know no matter how many years Aaron Rodgers has left, it's not a ton of years. And we'd like to see him go to the big show again. Listen to the music. It just... They have a nice pause for dramatic effect with the nice music. This is great. So this is something where on the short end, I'm sure we have some people who consider themselves Packers fans who are kind of already over it. (laughs) And then you probably have other folks who consider themselves part of the Packers fan community community that it's probably going to take until maybe a week or two after the Super Bowl. Because, again, we're going to be encountering these reminders of kind of what we missed out on, at least through Super Bowl Sunday. That is very true. I appreciate the music. I just the production value of that video is incredible. And it brings up some good points and some points that I didn't think about of how maybe we're even a little bit more vulnerable and, and, and mentally vulnerable to being sad about this loss in this team because we use the Packers as a coping mechanism. Now, I'm no psychologist. I never had to take psychology in college. I remember freshman year. I remember this crystal clear because the freshman year of college, it can be a little bit of a blur, right? You're meeting so many new people and everything is new and it's easy to to forget about things along the way because it's so overwhelming. But I remember clearly being in one of my friend's dorm rooms in Eagle Hall and I had three or four friends that were, because back then you could hang out with three or four people at a time, like now you can't. I remember being in this dorm room and they were losing their mind completely freaking out because they had a psych exam next. It was like psych 101 or whatever. And they all had a stack of note cards, flashcards. It was like a hundred deep. I'm like, man, did I miss? Did I forget about something on registration? Am I the only one who doesn't have to take a psych class? Because that, ah, that looked borderline unbearable. So I never had to take psychology. So, you know, coping mechanisms and vulnerability, all things that I'm rather uneducated on. It was interesting to hear this doctor, Michelle Schoenlieber. I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. She's at St. Norbert College in De Pere. I was also this week thinking about the five stages of grief. Because on Sunday, I was not, I, I was sad, but it's, I, I wasn't losing my mind on Sunday. I didn't get really bent out of shape about this game until Monday, which would fall in line with the five stages of grief because you start with denial and then you go to anger. Bargaining is next. Are we currently bargaining? Like, what are we doing right now? What's bargaining entail completely? Are we bargaining? Maybe we can come back to this later on in the show. I wonder what bargaining looks like as a sports fan. Because there's no way to there's no way to bargain with a loss. It's just a loss. Then again, there's no way to bargain with the death of a family member as well. Death is final, but 
I guess we find a way. That's the five stages of grief. Okay, so let's take a break. Let's take a break. We'll talk to Perry Goldstein of uh, Cheesehead TV, Packer Report, Game on Wisconsin, kind of put a bow around the Packers season. Coming up next with Perry here on the Wisco Sports Show. show rolling on my name is grant bills and i hope you're having a good night the week is coming along nicely we're getting close to the weekend no football this weekend but afternoon big 10 basketball on saturday rubbing my hands together love it that's when big 10 basketball is supposed to be enjoyed saturday afternoon in january and february love it the bucks won last night as did the badgers and we'll talk more about that coming up in the second half of the show Right now, we're going to hear our uh, conversation with Perry Goldstein. I talked to her earlier today. So we recorded this conversation at about uh, 2.30. And something I've realized, my podcast delivery is very different than my radio delivery. So these interviews, when I record them the day of, even if it's just an hour or two beforehand, they have a different energy. There's a different pace to them. And I think that's kind of fun. Our conversation went 17 minutes. So I got to get this going because we got to fit it in before 5 o'clock. I was going to try to cut it down and trim it down. I'm like, nah. We don't got anything else to talk about, so we'll have like a two-minute segment right before 5 o'clock, I guess, but that's fine. Not the Super Bowl preview we were hoping for, but let's hear from her anyways. Game on Wisconsin, Cheesehead TV, uh, Packer Report, the Packs What She Said podcast, uh, and there's one more I'm forgetting, Pack-A-Day podcast with Andy Herman as well. There you go. I think those are all of her uh, credentials. Here she is, Perry Goldstein. Perry, uh, I genuinely thought we were going to be previewing the Super Bowl this week. Like, I mean, it wasn't a given. Like, I, it wasn't a slam dunk that the Packers were going to win. But I would have bet the Packers, right? They were favored. They were at home. It just kind of felt like this was their year. And it's a bummer that we're not talking about the Super Bowl right now. But, like, are you are you doing okay? Are you getting by this week? I think I feel better today than I felt the last two days, which I'm not going to complain about. You're breaking my heart. I yeah. wish we were. I wish we were previewing the Super Bowl. Um, no, it's crushing. Every time I think about it, it it's still shocking, I guess, is the best way. I'm like, like, I get it. The season's over. They lost. Okay. That's in my head. Mm-hmm. But the shock of it is still there because they were favored. Yeah. They're number one seed. They should be in the Super Bowl. They're so much better than Tampa, but they didn't play better than Tampa on Sunday. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. That's kind of our thing in the NFC Championship game. Like I saw Arif Hassan, who writes The Athletic, he tweeted on Sunday, and I wish I could have laughed at it, but I was too miserable. He tweeted something like, the Packers love to make NFC Championship games, and well, that's about it. Like, that's the end of the tweet. And I was like, this is the worst. This is the absolute worst. It's the last time, hopefully, that we're talking about an NFC Championship game for a loss. Before we get into it and we dwell on the negativity, I do have to give you a shout-out because you did predict a Jair Alexander interception, and we got two. So not all is lost. You nailed that. That... That is what's getting me through, honestly. Every time I need some positivity, I just look at Jair's stats from the entire season, Jair's stats from post-game or post-season, just anything Jair Alexander-related. If you need something out there, just go look at his season because it'll make you feel better. Yeah, that's that's a. I, I would look at Jair if I, was, if I was trying to be happy. What makes me sad this week, so on the opposite end of the spectrum, is... I feel for Aaron Rodgers because I I think he's just kind of getting dragged this week. He's bad in title games and he's not clutching the postseason. And I look, he didn't play perfect on Sunday. Don't get me wrong. They're often stalled in the fourth quarter, which I don't blame entirely on him. But this is my take. And this is certainly my fandom coming through. But I want to get your reaction to this. Like, 
I feel for Aaron Rodgers because in the last 10 years, he has watched Russell Wilson play terribly in an NFC title game and get to go to a Super Bowl. On Sunday, he watched Tom Brady throw three interceptions, could have been more. Tom Brady gets to go to a Super Bowl. Yeah, Rodgers wasn't perfect on Sunday, but in these huge games against really great defenses, quarterbacks typically aren't perfect. And Aaron Rodgers is seemingly the only quarterback that hasn't gotten a little bit of luck from somewhere else. His defense, his special teams, officiating. Like, it's just never worked out for him. Like, yeah, he's never been perfect in these title games, but most quarterbacks aren't. And I feel like he just, I don't know, over the last decade, it's its just a bummer and it bums me out. Yeah, he had over 100 passer rating mm-hmm. in this game, even with a pick. And we can argue till we're blue in the face whether that pick should have stood or not. My opinion is it shouldn't have. But yeah, yeah it's tough. Like, it's it's... You don't want to place blame anywhere in these games because it's a team sport and takes everybody and the coaches and everyone to win. But at the same time, like, I can't blame Aaron on this game. Yeah, I I don't. There's nothing that he did in this game that I'm like, Aaron shouldn't have done that. Like he played he put it all out there on the field. And, you know, what's he going to do when Matt calls six dropbacks? You know, what's he going to do when Matt kicks a field goal instead of letting him go for it on fourth down? Like. What's he going to do in his offensive line to use your term this week is Swiss cheese. Like yeah. there's, there's Aaron Jones not a fumbles on the five yard line. No, you know, less. he can't go out there and play cornerback for Kevin King. Ooh. So I do. I agree with you. I feel for him. I think you can look back on all of his losses and there are maybe a few moments. Of course, he's the quarterback. He's the leader where you mm-hmm. feel like hmm, maybe Aaron should have done something different there. But yeah, the. It feels a little bit like everybody failed him. And I, again, I hate to say that because I'm just so much like, uh, this is a, this is the ultimate team sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you could see the devastation, right? On his face afterwards. Like he knows, he knows this was the shot. He yeah. knows this was the best chance for a Super Bowl in the last 10 years. So it sucks. Well, and. He wasn't perfect, right? They're often stalled in the fourth quarter. And maybe he could have ran into the end zone. Okay, maybe on that third down he could have ran. But, like, maybe Mike Patton doesn't give up that freebie touchdown. And maybe Aaron Jones doesn't fumble on the five. Like, it just bothers me because people are going to nitpick Aaron Rodgers and say, well, you know, he wasn't perfect. Well, he had three incompletions to a punt, right? Then Tom Brady had three interceptions. So, like, I, yeah, Rodgers wasn't perfect. But we've seen for a long time quarterbacks who aren't perfect who get by anyways. And that's you shouldn't have to expect perfection at this point. The rest of your team should also step up. Like the, I think the margin for error is slimmer, but that doesn't mean that Aaron Rodgers has to be perfect. He shouldn't need to have an 158.3 quarterback rating in an NFC championship game. I think this is the best he's looked in a title game, not just on the field, but like he was engaged on the sideline and you could tell like he, he felt the weight of this game where maybe in 2016 or in 2019, you know, they were outgunned and he was kind of, you know, resigned to himself on the sideline. That wasn't the case. And that's what I really love to see. And it's a bummer that it, it didn't work out for him. Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast. A new episode dropped today. Um, Pack a Day podcast as well with Andy Herman, another friend of the show. Um, and, and your analysis and your, your Packers insight has been great this season. I wish we were previewing the Super Bowl, but instead, right, we have to do an autopsy of what happened Sunday. Let's talk about Lafleur and Petten. I think they both had blunders in this game. I think Pettin's blunders were worse, specifically the one before half, but Lafleur only ran the football 16 times, which is about half of what they've been doing the last couple of weeks, right? He elected to kick a field goal at the end of the game. I mentioned the Mike Pettin, you know, man coverage for Kevin King. You know, what are the plays and the mistakes you think from the coaches that that are going to stick with you and and that are going to haunt you the most, you know, over, well, your entire life? Because this game's going to haunt me my, my entire life. I won't say the next couple of years. I'll never forget this game. 
I just think all the things that made this offense successful, LaFleur just like forgot to do. Yeah. Like he didn't stay balanced. He didn't run the football. And I get like, oh, when you're down, you have to pass the ball more. Well, when you're down 11, you can still run the ball. Like mm-hmm. it's not like they were down three touchdowns. And they weren't in so, a hurry. They had a seven minute no. drive to end the third quarter. Right. And then all of a sudden they get the ball back and they're in a hurry. And I'm like, guys, chill. Like all you need here is a touchdown. You get the two-point conversion. Like, there were so many scenarios where they could have won this game. It wasn't – it's almost like they had PTSD from the first Bucks game where Mm -hmm. they were down three scores, and they're like, oh, my God, we have to throw the ball. And it's like, no, like, play your brand of football. Run the ball because if you don't get the running game going, you can't do anything else. Um, And so that was disappointing. And LaFleur has been – pretty aggressive i would say over the course of this season and then he in the moment just completely lost all aggression um i think honestly that not going for it on fourth down will haunt me um mostly because nothing the defense has done over the course of the game had shown me that they could stop tom brady in that moment and Aaron Rodgers, I trust more than anybody else on that field. Give yeah. him another shot. Let him go for it on fourth to Devonte. Like, what other connection out there would you trust more than that one? So that felt like a lost opportunity, um, and it ultimately lost them the game. So that one is going to haunt me the most. But I was just really more disappointed in losing the balance. Like, I watched the game with Nagler um, with Cheesehead TV, and we were screaming – Pretty much the entire game, like, can you please run the ball? Mm -hmm. Even without Aaron Jones. I mean, here's the thing. Like, Aaron Jones got hurt. Oh, they're playing from behind. Well, no, this is how they built this team. That's why they drafted A.J. Dillon, right? You drafted other running back because running backs get hurt. They get banged up. So it's not like like they weren't prepared for this situation. They had the horses, and Williams and Dillon were running well. It's it's just a bummer. Uh, A lot of things could have gone differently. I'm not going to stay up at night thinking about the field goal. I understand his thought process. It's a bummer. I would rather lose the game not picking up a fourth down with Aaron Rodgers than lose a game with Rodgers standing on the sideline because we've seen that too many times in the last decade. Um, it's It certainly was a bummer. Uh, Perry Goldstein, Cheesehead TV, Packer Report, Game on Wisconsin. Let's talk about the Rodgers drama. I, I know something that's been really prevalent on social media and on like ESPN and Fox. And I saw Barstool posted a source last night that indicated that the Rogers Packers thing, it's going to go nuclear. I don't know who the source was. I, I thought that wording was funny. I, I guess he just won an MVP. He's got three years left on his deal. Rogers really hasn't expressed unhappiness at all. Sure. He was bummed in his presser on Sunday, but I, I haven't really gotten the vibe from him that he's angry at the Packers or that he wants to leave. I don't really know where this drama came from, right? The Packers drafted Jordan Love. They got this ball rolling. This never came from Aaron Rodgers. So what's your take on on all the drama this week? A potential trade or a a Favre-type retirement thing? Like, this has really gotten out of hand. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I have two thoughts. One is, let the man be sad. You know, like, just, just let him have his moment. He literally had just lost a title game. One in which I think the entire team fully expected that they would win. Um, He finally gets one at home. He has to watch Tom Brady of all quarterbacks celebrate on his home turf. And then 15 minutes later has to go answer questions from beat reporters. Like that sounds miserable. I was speechless and stunned and mute after that game. He's probably feeling all of those things times a million. So I feel for him. And then he gets his words, in my opinion, because I watched the press conference and I know you did too, Mm -hmm. like kind of twisted. A little bit. Like he was just sad. He was devastated. And nothing that he said was any different than what he's been saying all season. And I think my second thing is 
I just think, and I, I felt this way for a while, and I feel like the Pat McAfee show has really, really um, kind of highlighted this. Aaron Rodgers thinks differently than most people, not just most athletes, but just like most people. He's really attuned to himself. He's very self-aware. Um, he tries to stay very present in the moment. He understands that football is a business um, and he's quite honest with that and with himself. And so like the way that he's expressed himself all season has been different than past years because I think he's just honestly fed up with the BS and it's just going to be himself. But I think people don't really know how to take him or write about him or ask him questions because he just thinks about himself and his job and his place in the world and all that kind of stuff in a much more like mindful way than a lot of other people do. And like I said, he doesn't really cater to the anymore. So um, while I do think that the case can be made where you can say, oh, you know, he's a smart guy, right? He knows exactly what he was doing. When you're that upset, I, I don't think there was intention behind anything he said. I think he just spoke from the heart and was really devastated. Well, that makes sense, too, because I brought it up on my show yesterday where I'm like, why Why do we follow Aaron Rodgers this way? No other quarterback gets this treatment. No other football player gets this treatment. NBA, it's common. Like, we dissect everything about superstars. But Rodgers is really the only football player that's covered this way, and I think you maybe just explained why, and that's not something I, I previously thought about. I, I want to talk about, organizationally, two really quick things. Number one, I saw a lot of breakdowns and reactions and blogs and podcasts and everything that this is an indictment on the Packers and they haven't done enough to support Rodgers. And this game just highlighted that. And I don't necessarily 100% disagree with that premise that they maybe have let him down at times over the last decade. Like there have been lows, right? But every team has lows. That's how football works. This year in this game, ah, I, I don't know how you watch that game and think, okay, they lost because they didn't draft a wide receiver or they lost that game because they didn't draft a defensive lineman. You may, I still think it would be great if they had another weapon or another guy who can, who can be physical up front on defense, but that's not why they lost that game. And I really struggle to read people and, and to listen to their work and pay attention to their work when they draw that conclusion because that makes me think that they didn't watch that game because the personnel was not the issue on Sunday. That is a cop out. That's that's just someone who made that take early in the season and decided to just apply it to a Packers loss without like really understanding the team at all or the season at all because they were the number one offense in the league. So don't come at me with, oh, but if they only had another wide receiver. Okay, yeah. so they went 13 and three without another wide receiver. And then all of a sudden, the NFC Championship game, that's when it matters. Like, no, no, I completely agree with you. Um, and I also think like, and I don't know if it's just the realm in which I exist within like the football sphere, mm -hmm. but I feel like the Packers are so much more scrutinized than any other team. Like, it's almost as if you're not allowed to make any kind of like draft mistake or like personnel mistake. Like other teams make bad draft picks all the time. Other teams make waste first round picks or make bad decisions in free agency all the time. So it's like, but when the Packers do it all of a sudden, it's because that's why we've haven't won a Super Bowl and yeah. why Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a second ring. It's like, let's slow the roll uh, a little bit there. Um, I think it was just situational decision making that the pack. That's why the Packers lost on Sunday. Well, you talk about other teams like the Saints traded an extra first round pick to get Marcus Davenport, Ugh, like stuff like that. Like if the Packers did that, oh, my God. Well, maybe actually people would like that with the Packers, whether it works out or not, because it shows that they're trying. But no, I, I agree. The Packers certainly are scrutinized in the draft. And I and I think there's a way in which the Packers could have lost that game against the Bucks. Don't get me wrong, where he said, OK, in this instance, a wide receiver could have helped 
or this player could have helped. They, sure, sure, the game could have gone that way, but it didn't, right? Like, that's not how the game went. They had it in hand, and they just made mistakes and, and situational they awareness execute. was poor. They yeah. just didn't execute. Exactly. They didn't execute, right? Devontae Adams had a shot at a touchdown, just couldn't bring it in. That's not the fault. He, and Ryan he makes Dickens. that catch I, 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. That is the first time I have ever seen him not catch that ball. Yeah, I, I can't imagine Devontae Adams is thrilled with himself over the last couple of days, which is a huge bummer because, God, he'd played so well. Uh, final question, Perry, and this is something that I've thought about. The 2020 draft. So we're talking Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara, Kamal Martin, th- that draft. Everybody hated it when it happened because it was for the future, future down the line. It wasn't for this season. So this season is now over. I, I'm having a hard time getting excited about this draft still, even though the future is kind of now. Like, like this is when we should start to think, oh, thank goodness they drafted these players. And I'm still not that amped about A.J. Dillon. I like A.J. Dillon. But now he's going to be the only piece in that backfield. And I don't know about Josiah DeGuara. We're still waiting on Sternberger, and we'll see with Tunyon. Like, the future Mm -hmm. has started to arrive. Tell me and explain to me why I should be excited about last year's draft class. Because even as time moves on, I'm still, uh, I'm kind of (laughs) lukewarm. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, I'd say I'm warmer than lukewarm, but I'm, I'm where you are also. Look, I think when you have a guy like A.J. Dillon who might be the only back, okay, there, there's your back now. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily think I think that we could have used him this year and he just wasn't added into the rotation yeah. enough. And that felt like a decision making. Not so much, you know, he was unable to perform because we saw what he did against the Titans. Um, so I hope that he gets now his opportunity because I think he can be a special back. Do I think taking a running back in the second round is a good decision? I wouldn't make it, but I'm yeah. not the GM of a football team. Um, Kamal Martin, I think. You know, he was stunted a little bit by an injury. So we might have a really exciting athletic linebacker on our hands. You know, only time only time will tell. And I know that is something that you love. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Josiah DeGuerra, he was going to probably be a huge part of this offense towards ACL. You know, so there's, there's a lot of things about this draft that are still question marks. Um, I definitely prescribe to the notion that it takes a couple years. Like, it definitely takes some for time. Sure. Wait for, uh, you know, the second third year and actually see and then decide what they look like because look at Rashawn Gary and look at Darnell Savage and look at Jair Alexander in his third year with the team so not saying that those players will become those just as examples of growth Um, I think that this offseason though and this draft in particular are going to be huge for the Packers like this is going to be even bigger than last season like they have to hit and make the right decisions this year because if not I think everything's going to go Every, people are going to freak out. Yeah. Not that that matters what people think or say, but people are going to freak out if they have another draft like last season. Yeah, always always building for the future. I don't I don't know. They lost three days ago. I can't think about the draft. Or, right? We have thick skin, so. <laughs> it doesn't hurt any less, to be quite honest No, I'm, I'm in denial. Um, I'm, I'm but thank you for having me this season. I mean, this has been fun. It's like one of my favorite things to do, and I do a lot of things around the Packers blogosphere, but you do. this show by far is is up there on the list. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks, Perry. That's Perry Goldstein. You can find her on Twitter, Perry with an I, underscore Goldstein, G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N. Packs What She Said podcast just dropped today, so you can go listen to that uh, if you want a little bit more of Perry. We got to take a break. We are very behind because that interview went long, but what else we got to talk about? The Packers lost this week. We got we to gotta do an autopsy on the season and on the game, so... I'm in no rush. Let's take a break. We'll come back for a few minutes uh, and collect ourselves before 5 o'clock here on the Wisco Sports Show.
Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Thanks for being here, hanging out. And a big thanks to our friend Perry Goldstein for a long interview today. She was very, very gracious with her time. Appreciate her as always. And she'll probably at some point be back during the offseason when we have a reason to talk Packers, maybe near the draft, something like that. So she'll be back. But it's certainly been a fun season talking to her every other week or so. I think our, our conversations became a little more frequent as the games got more important, but appreciate her as always. And she brought up something that caught my attention, caught my ear. I would say caught my eye, but that wouldn't make any sense. Her take about Aaron Rodgers and how he's covered differently than any other player in the NFL, because that's something I brought up on yesterday's show. I just, I don't understand it. Why do we look at Rodgers under a microscope the way that we don't with Drew Brees? or Tom Brady, or Russell Wilt. Like, we don't give any quarterback or football player that treatment. In the NBA, it's really common, but not really in the NFL. And and Perry had a theory on that, and I want to revisit that coming up after 5 o'clock. We'll also talk about the Bucs. I said on yesterday's show, we're in a period of transition right now. We're switching into basketball mode, right? We're going to be talking more Bucs, more Badgers, uh, and starting to do a little bit less Packers. So I'm going to follow through with my promise. We're going to talk Bucs. For a good 10, 12, 15 minutes coming up at 5.30. So basketball fans, don't miss out on that. But coming back after 5 o'clock, we'll get back into the Packers and continue to kind of put a bow around the season that ended on Sunday. Tom Brady. More coming up on the Wisco Sports Show after this. Don't go anywhere.